This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Guys, I hope you are having a good week. My name is Judy Cho, and I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I work with clients to get to root cause healing, and oftentimes that is with a gut healing protocol using a meat based elimination diet. All right, guys, so today I had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Robert Kiltz. He is a board certified OBGYN and an endocrinologist. He is the founder and director of CNY Fertility, and he just basically helps people make more babies. Dr. Kiltz has several books and he has a, a baby or BEBBI diet protocol that helps families just get pregnant and conceive and kind of get over PCOS and endometriosis and other imbalances that cause us to not be able to conceive. We talk about so many things, but he just breaks down the science into very simplistic terms and just that maybe trying to conceive is just really, really simplistic. So let's get right into the interview.、Um, hello, Dr. Robert Kiltz.、Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I am excited to share kind of your protocol, your、uh, way of eating for people to get pregnant.、Um, and so if you can just share a little bit about yourself、um, and who you are. Hi, Judy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. I've read your book, I love it. And Carnivore to me is the key to health and wellness. And fertility is such an important thing for all of us. And、uh, I'm a fertility physician. I'm the owner director of CNY Fertility Centers and CNY Healing Arts. And probably about 10 years ago, I started getting into the space of diet and fertility. And I'm Italian, Mediterranean diet. I suffered for years from bowel bleeding, migraines, arthritis, psoriasis. Until about 10 years ago, I learned about this idea of、uh, keto and then carnivore and then fasting. And I did it myself,、mm-hmm. and all the diseases went away. Plus, I had many of my patients at the time doing paleo, and I started learning about keto, and they were sharing that with me, and they were getting pregnant. And I'm like, okay, 
there's something to this that I need to jump into that space. And so I'm a fertility physician that talks a lot, if not too much about diet and lifestyle and fertility, but I'm still a traditional fertility specialist doing IVF and egg retrievals and transfers and surgeries. That's me. In your um, years of, you know, being in this space, um, my guess is that you're seeing more fertility issues over the years. Um, what are some of the issues? Is it typically in the male and the female? Is it kind of everything? Well, it's, it seems like it's more than ever before. And I was commenting to some of my staff today about the fact that we're seeing so much metabolic syndrome, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis. Uh, it's both the sperm source and the egg source. And you always have to look at all of that. Quite commonly, it, we think it's mostly the female, but equally it's the male. But it, we have to recognize that there's something going on that is unexplained in our current conversations and, and labeling because unexplained infertility is so common. Everything looks normal, but something's wrong. So we are seeing a lot more today than ever before. I personally think our lifestyle, which includes our diets, our activities, and our mental and physical stresses. In your practice, what are some of the biggest levers? I know you just mentioned diet and you mentioned lifestyle, but what are like specific kind of measures that you see help people to maybe um, conceive? Well, well, hmm. Let's see, so many people that seem unhealthy conceive, so it's really hard for those people that seem healthy but are not conceiving to understand that something's wrong. But we do see a tremendous amount of metabolic disorder or PCOS or anovulation where they're not ovulating regularly. And quite commonly, we can help them by giving them the dietary changes and lifestyle we do a lot of some metformin, inositol, or ovacetol to reduce glucose levels, and then some medications to help with ovulation like letrozole, uh, clomid, or gonadotropins, which may help them get pregnant naturally, or they look towards either IUI or potentially IVF, which seems to be growing tremendously. So in terms of PCOS, um, even endometriosis, why does that happen? I mean, what kind of is the root cause of some of those issues? Well, I think there's a genetic predisposition uh, for these diseases all across the board. But my biggest theory here is that our dietary lifestyle is the single leading cause. It's our three to six meals a day, mostly a high plant-based diet, low-fat diet, which is, is, is a tremendous amount of sugar, which comes from fruits and vegetables, seeds and nuts and fiber, which ultimately causes something called glycation. Mm -hmm. Glycation is the damage to the glycocalyx and every cell of our body, which also can damage the, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the adrenals, the ovaries, the testicles, which causes damage to the eggs, the sperm, the embryo, and the sites of implantation in the uterus. Now, it sounds complicated, but I like to create a simple story. Too much sugar is the single biggest cause which damages our ovulatory processes, our sperm and egg interactions, and our embryo implantations. And so that's where your dietary recommendations can be so powerful. And I talk a lot about fasting and keto that I think helps a lot of people. 
So there are people in um, the nutrition space that say a ketogenic diet is high stress on the mitochondria, on the cells, the cortisol is too much. And so it, you know, is just taxing the mitochondrial health and that we actually need sugar for, um, I guess, energy for all of our cells and that it's the kind of front runner of um, energy for our cells. And so therefore, if you want to be pregnant, it's probably better to manage your endocrine system with you know, smaller meals, maybe more sugars, maybe reducing some of the polyunsaturated fatty acids. Do you, have you seen any merit to this in your practice or? Well, you just look around the world. The problem is everyone's eating a high plant-based, low-fat diet. Sugar is not the source of energy for the mitochondria. My Acetyl-CoA is. Right. And acetyl-CoA comes from fatty acids and there's no reason that your body should use sugar traditionally because fat is everywhere. Uh, cancer is caused by glucose and glycation, and an abnormal cell, like a cancer cell, uses glucose in the cytoplasm for energy. That's not what normal cells do. Normal cells use acetyl-CoA from fatty acids. And I believe, including the brain and the muscle, there was no reason that your body would use sugar one moment and in ketosis use fat. We're taught that. But my belief is what we think is right is wrong. Anorexics die quickly. Those people who are overweight don't. They get chronic diseases and they die slowly. Fat must be eaten or made. My belief is fat is made in the liver via via insulin's effects on glucose and amino acids. Type 1 diabetics are skinny. They don't make fat. They die because they have no insulin. Liver failure patients actually also become diabetic even though they have insulin and glucose. My bet is the liver is the sole source of making fat, and our problem is we've got it wrong. So the leading scientific experts have been stating something that we're not getting better. We're eating more plants, more meals, and low fat, and yet the incidence of every disease is going up. The cost of healthcare is going up. The amount of metabolic disorder is going up, and in my experience, infertility is out of control, and that means not getting pregnant and miscarrying, genetic and chromosomal disorders, preterm labor, and then you can add on all the other diseases that affect women in pregnancy, which I think are getting serious. Yeah. And I tend to look at, I just look at trends and I see that, you know, if you look at the paleo diet or even the autoimmune paleo, they remove a lot of plants, but they still consume uh, fruits and, and in the kind of the healthier forms. But a lot of people that follow that diet, they get better a little bit when they remove a lot of the processed junk foods but they're still not fully there, right? And I think that's where people start maybe dabbling into keto and then carnivore. And so when I hear that we need sugar or fruits or, you know, that we shouldn't be in ketosis all our lives, that it's damaging to ourselves, I just look at the paleo, you know, the people that follow a paleo diet and it's just, I don't see that. And I just see a lot of people that are, and maybe it's because they're doing too much exercise with CrossFit, but in general, I don't see them healing to get pregnant. And so 
that's, or like their thyroid is not healing. And so that's where my gap is just from a very simplistic understanding, right? Just seeing that and the logic just isn't there. Yes, we're eating less meat. We're eating less saturated fats. Why aren't we getting better? Right? So there's all these things and it's just, maybe the information isn't correct. Um, I know that you obviously with fertility, you have this diet called, um, I don't know if you call it by the Bevy name or if it's B-E-B-V-I, but um, if you could talk a little bit about your recommendations for like ideal diets for pregnancies and even what that diet is all about. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Babies. Um, (laughs) A baby doctor. Uh, And so bacon, eggs, butter, beef, ice cream, and salt is the diet I recommend. Now, you can technically be a vegan or vegetarian or Mediterranean or whatever you want to be. If you, if you cook the carbs well to kill the bacteria, yeast, and viruses, you simplify the sugar because complex carbs are deadly. Simple sugars are actually better. And eating only one meal a day is like the very, very best thing you can do, in my opinion. And but I did this. So I, too, was Mediterranean, paleo. But it wasn't, wasn't until I eliminated the vegetables, fruit, and fiber did my bowel bleeding, arthritis, psoriasis, and kidney stones go away. And so that was the game changer. So I, I, I personally eat steak every day. My ice cream is cream, okay. egg, a little bit of vanilla, and a little bit of sugar. I never recommend fake sugars. If you're going to eat it, use white sugar cane sugar. A little bit of reward goes a long way for us human beings all the time. When you eat a simple sugar, it goes to the liver quickly and it's converted to fat quickly. Complex carbs are in the digestive tract all day and all night, always secreting glucose into the bloodstream. Your bloodstream has a slightly elevated glucose. Low dose of a poison takes a long time to kill you. That's the killer. And so, uh, again, the baby's diet is just kind of sort of an acronym to sort of help us sort of have a little fun with this. You can use beef bacon. You can use chicken and, and oysters and lobsters. But most diets are actually lean meat right. and not fatty meat. So keto technically, as we describe it, because we label keto, uh, is a high fat, low carb, low protein. Our body needs very little protein, but it needs a tremendous amount of fat. If you don't eat it, you're going to make it. And so that's why the one meal a day is like amazing. Even if you're a vegan, vegetarian, or standard eater to anything, if you simply go to one meal a day, that will lower your overall glucose levels. That means ketones really probably aren't such an important thing anyway because some people have low ketones and low glucose, but they're still in great shape. Right. So my sense is, is that 
we, we kind of make ketone bodies too important. Acetyl-CoA from fatty acids is the thing that I think is most important. And so I emphasize these components, whether you're a vegan, vegetarian, a standard eater, or a carnivore. You know, what's interesting is, um, so a few things of what you just mentioned. Um, so if you do one meal a day, and let's say you have gut imbalances, my general thought process is that I'm not the biggest fan of OMAD, just because if you have gut imbalances, you have one chance to absorb all your nutrients. And then for women, you know, we tend to kind of under eat. And then there's that risk of under eating and then not getting all of your nutrients absorbed in the small intestine. Um, and then also, if you've just not eaten a lot of fat over the years to then try to absorb a 80% kind of fat in terms of total calories, that would get a lot of people running to the bathroom. And so what are your thoughts with that? Okay, so as long as the bowels have food inside them, they're going to get damaged. Okay. Now, obviously, our intestines are, are, this is their job, but they never get a chance to heal. The glycocalyx mm -hmm. is the most important part of our bodies that almost no one knows anything about. So, uh, we... Whatever we came from, whatever our diet was, we likely did not eat three to six meals a day. We may have had only one meal a day or less. And so we are built to make fat quickly. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're only using fat from our stores for energy. So the bowels can go days, if not weeks, without food in them. The number of organisms that fast for weeks and months is greater than you and I even understand. Remember, the food industry's job is to sell you and I food. Our science of food is highly prejudicial and incorrect. The very best thing that anyone can do is one meal a day or less. But remember, you get twice the calories from fat. Right. So if you eat fat, you actually cleanse the bowels, you reduce inflammation, and you provide the super fuel for the Ferrari, which is what we are. So we're addicted to food. Well, who isn't? If you aren't addicted to food, something's wrong with you. Our brain says food's around, you better eat it, because if you don't, you'll die from famine. So we have convinced ourselves how important it is to keep food in our bowels. But that's just a made-up story that we've created to make us feel good. But the science of the human body is remarkable. One to three minutes without air, one to three, day, three days without water, but one to three weeks or months without food. That's what we're built for. So... You know, again, because everyone's used to having food around all the time, I'm hungry. That isn't a true physiologic need. It's a mental need because your body is not going to let you give up food because if you do and there's a famine next week, you're dead. So what about women that are trying to get pregnant? So, you know, again, we need to make sure to get all the nutrients. So do you recommend them doing like alternative day fasting and extended fasting? No, no, one meal a day because because human beings are di are, are diurnal beings. One, we can do daily habits, but to do a Monday Wednesday habit doesn't make any sense for anyone. So I do a daily habit 
I do meditation prayer every day. Uh, I get my one meal a day at night. Uh, for me, it's a fatty steak, some, uh, some uh, foie gras, butter, salt, and maybe a little ice cream. Uh, but the nutrients that we need, the, the, the fat-soluble vitamins are in fat. Right. A-D-E-K are all fat-soluble vitamins. Well, if you don't eat fat, you're going to need a supplement. The problem is we don't, eat the, we don't eat the organ meat or the fatty meat that actually turns out to have all the supplements our body needs. Right. So, again, we do not really see much of a supplement or a, a vitamin deficiencies in our current environment, uh, but a high plant-based environment does have a lot of supplements missing and they need, I'm sorry, vitamins and minerals missing and they need to take the supplements. I haven't taken a vitamin or a supplement in, in years and I gave up exercise 10 years ago because that's the other deadly component. So those women who are attempting pregnancy and they're pregnant and they're post-pregnant, this dietary recommendation I think is the home run, which again, it's not what our doctors tell our patients. So I see patients do keto, get pregnant. They go to their OB doctor. They say, you know what? You better eat for your baby three to six meals a day. And don't forget to get lots of fruits and vegetables because they have all the minerals and vitamins. But then they, oh, then they miscarry or they have a preterm labor. So it really is important in my opinion, you stick to some keto. I call it Kiltz's keto lifestyle or the baby's diet. One meal, one snack, and that's the home run. You mentioned that sugar can be not so ideal for the body. Um, so then, and I know that you just mentioned that ice cream, it's like a little reward is not too bad. Um, do you recommend that people have that ice cream kind of every meal or their, their one meal a day? Sugar, so some sugar in and of itself is not deadly to our body. It's, it's, um, uh, Paracelsus came up with the term, the dose makes the poison. Right. So we can eat glucose and it will be converted to fat. It will reduce our glucose levels. So it's the constant slight elevation that's really the killer. Now, sure. my ice cream and chocolate, by the way, I do from time to time. But since I only eat one meal a day and it's a simple sugar, the insulin goes up. Glucose level, glucose is converted to fat in the liver. It goes down to the normal level, which now is okay. So, um, you know, if we're eating pasta and bread and pizza and, and even vegetables all the time with fiber and fruit, we're putting into the belly, we're filling the bucket full of carbs, which takes days for the carbs that you ate today to be micronized and internalized and converted to fat. Well, in the meantime, you put in more carbs from the day you're born to the day you die, your GI tract is never empty of a carbohydrate. That's the killer. What about... <laughs> I hope I'm not scaring you too much. No, 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 no. I'm, I mean, I'm in agreement. That's why I'm not really arguing. I just want to make sure that, you know, there's just a lot of belief where we need carbs for hormonal health. We need carbs to like a lot of um, people that start a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet, they say their sleep is now disrupted. Um, maybe it's the cortisol kind of spike or the need of it in the middle of the night. 
And so then people say, well, then have some carbs at night. And then they have the carbs and then they actually sleep through the night and they're like, see, I need carbs. But I think it's a temporary band-aid. And so I wanted you to speak to that. <laughs> if you can't sleep, get up and do something, in my opinion. Read a book or draw or paint. But I think that we're, we're, we're missing the cause and effect in all this. And so um, it must be my diet. Well, I, I get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning from time to time. I get up at 3, 4 o'clock every day. If I get up, I get up. My bet is, is that, see, I eat my meal at night. You want to eat your meal at night. Then you rest and digest. Once your bowels are cleared, you now your bowels can heal and get ready for the next meal. But I think there's many other reasons that people can't sleep. They're watching the news. They're reading the wrong things. They're worried. Uh, you're not. You're missing many other things that are part of Kiltz's lifestyle, the Fertile Feast, some other books that I've written that I think share a similar story that you put out there, how important it is to eat properly and to, to kind of manage the stresses of life. But uh, the, the, the things that we're sharing, remember belief and science and spirituality are our human invention of what's right and wrong. Uh, Rosalind and Ben Zander wrote a book, The Art of Possibilities, really great book on, um, on the inventive nature of our belief systems. And so, you know, we talk science. I mean, my grandmother lived to 104. She smoked Paul Malls, drank Manhattan's. She was Italian. Well, her lifestyle must have been right. Uh, but maybe we're trying to help people that are suffering. And if you're suffering from something, these ideas are really amazing and so healing right. and it's really so simple. Yeah. I mean, and, and I agree with you. I think that I get that a lot too. Well, um, so-and-so's family member lived to a hundred, ate all these carbs. And so maybe carbs aren't the issue, right? Like there's always these, and I always say, yes, genetics come into play. You may have won the lottery, but that's not my audience that I work with. They're not the ones that got that lottery, right? They're, they're the ones that maybe struggle with a metabolic disease in their 40s. And now they have to kind of watch more of what they eat. And they, the, otherwise, they wouldn't even be in the nutrition space or care to even watch anything about nutrition, right? We're um, here for a reason. My sister died of diabetes at 52. My best friend died of cancer at 52. And I can tell you, I wanted to figure out why. I figured it out. Interesting enough, people who smoke cigarettes, the majority of them don't get lung cancer. So yeah. we're not talking about the majority of people here, but in our space as a doctor, so many people are suffering. Boy, isn't it possible that food might be the single leading cause of our problems? And even if you simply changed when you ate or how much you ate, that might be the simple thing to do. Uh, if what you're doing isn't working, look around and do something different. Great words. Uh, there are some people that say that supplementing zinc, maybe for males while trying to conceive, is beneficial. Do you do any of those kind of supplemental protocols for people trying to conceive? 
We recommend um, uh, supplements for men and women. We uh, have a, a line called Molecular Fertility, which contains the zinc and magnesium and all the vitamins and minerals that we think are important for health and wellness. It, it contains some things that also uh, reduce inflammation, antioxidants. Um, we recommend something called Lodos Naltrexone, another very interesting medication uh, that also has been found to reduce inflammation. We talk a lot about yoga, meditation, um, and, and, and de-stressing and doing these type of things that help both on the male side and the female side, both the egg sperm and the embryo and implantation. But we think these things are important uh, to add to the mix because I don't know what you're eating. And it, it may be the little thing that just kind of helps uh, to take it over to the next level. Okay, I was going to ask that. I was just going to play devil's advocate. You just mentioned that you don't take any supplements, and then, but then some of these people that are trying to conceive are maybe taking it. So it sounds like it's just that I'm not with you. I don't know what you're eating, and so this is just kind of that extra, just in case, possibly. And 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 we're all looking for something. And and it's interesting as a physician. Um, most people that come to a Western physician are looking for a pill, a surgical procedure, or something that's going to help them. And so you know, there's a lot of placebo to everything we do in medicine. Uh, placebo is very powerful, by the way. It's helpful. It's our minds, it, it, which is actually energy, which is actually the way all things turn on and off and change in our bodies because we give it to the drug, but it may not be the drug, uh, but certainly I have a lot of respect to modern medicine, the medications, the procedures, and all the things that we provide. Uh, but I like to inter, inter, intertwine all of it, the Western, the Eastern side, uh, the, the, the supplements and, and many other things together. I agree. I think that it's interesting. So I like to focus on stress management. I talk about how stress affects all the you know, the adrenals, the endocrine system, the hormones, and, um, and then how that could even affect your um, sex hormones, right? So if we're producing too much cortisol, we're not going to be producing a lot of the DHEA, even the um, pregnenolone to become progesterone and so on and so forth. And I also consider mindset and it's so huge because our minds can manifest so much. And that's why the placebo effect works. That's why FDA requires that any new drug has to show efficacy beyond the placebo effect, right? It just shows that our mind can make a water pill or a sugar pill do magical things that it's never intended to do. And this is why mindset is so important and why I talk about it. But I think we are also kind of wired or have been trained in our cultures to believe, just find the next thing, right? It's the next new vegetable, the next new diet, that will fix everything, but it's sometimes it's just fixing up there, right? Our mindset, our behaviors, our thoughts. So, so about 20 years ago, I, I uh, started something called CNY Healing Arts and Mind, Body, Smile. So I wrote a book called The Fertile Secret, which is, and I started doing daily videos and sharing all these things, and I focused on the mind. Yoga, meditation, prayer, acupuncture, massage, all these things. And so that's where I initially came into this. Okay. And many of my clients were then again getting pe pregnant on this dietary change. That's how I moved into the, into the diet stuff along with, with the mindfulness. So now I sort of integrate 
mindful. So what you put in the mind and the mouth is actually the mastery of the, I call it the, the miracle machine. That's pretty powerful. And, and I think that makes so much sense. I, um, you know, I've said this in some of my videos, but what I notice with some of my clients that heal faster is one is consistency, but the other thing is mindset, right? So are you coming into this thinking, well, I don't know if this could work. I've heard some people say it doesn't. And then, you know, that mindset of, ah, I don't know. Um, it, I, de- I definitely see a difference versus someone that's like, I'm all in. I'm so tired of being sick. I'm willing to try everything. Weight isn't the ultimate goal. I just want to be better. And those people, that diligence, that mindset gets them so much further along than trying something. And it's like, okay, it's not this. I got to try something else. And so I'm right there with you. That is so true. And number one, I tell everyone your weight is a beautiful thing, no matter what it is. And being overweight causes no disease. Lipids and fat doesn't cause disease. Sugar does. Glycation does. Plus, the plant phytochemicals and the plant antigens that are actually a leading cause of so much disease that people don't even know about. And then the fourth leading cause of disease is fermentation of fiber in the GI tract. Fermentation in the GI tract causes heat, gas, alcohol, and aldehydes. In my opinion, it completely is is the cause co- is the cause of I think colon cancer uh, fiber should not be used in our bodies of any significant amount and and I agree with you on a lot of that I mean that's why SIBO those SIBO anything related to so- small intestinal bacteria overgrowth that is not from any meat it's from plants that ferment and then they produce gases in so if you start feeling bloat pain sharp pain the gas the methane hydrogen all of that is from plant foods fermenting in your body. So I completely agree with that. And I, I also believe that the, the microbiome is misunderstood. The glycobiome is actually the most important thing. And if you understand the, the, uh, the lipid uh, proteinaceous uh, glycans that are, that are attached to every epithelial layer of our body and every cell of our bodies, that is the thing that gets damaged, which then allows the microbiome to uh, uh, find its foothold that then does more disease than ever. If you, it, it's, it's, I call it the Teflon coating of our body. Uh, and when you read about the glycobiome, you'll be fascinated that it's actually the, the, the mucus layer that protects our cells and prevents stickiness. Mm-hmm. It contains a large amount of negatively charged sulfate molecules that prevents the negatively charged particles from attaching. So when the glycocalyx is damaged, in the GI tract, in every, every vessel of our body, in the lymphatics, in the peritoneal cavities, every tubular structure, and it surrounds every cell that allows the connections and the electromolecular connections to happen. And my belief is glucose is necessary for post-translational glycation, uh, glycosylation. Glycation is abnormal damage, glycosylation. A neurotransmitter must be glycosylated in order to function normally, just like every hormone. So when 
the glucose levels are too high, right. it causes glycation, which the abnormal folding of these proteins, which they don't function now. And so uh, by, by reducing glucose levels, by reducing the fiber, remember fiber is like sandpaper, uh, and it allows the bacteria and yeast to thrive. When that gets damaged, the, the, the opening of the epithelial protection is, is taken, taken away. And so this is where the microbes get in. Uh, I mean, COVID virus has a glycocalyx that tells you who it is. So our HLA antigens that tell us who we are are made up of glycans attached to proteins attached mostly to a lipid bilayer of our cells. So it's, it's a fascinating adventure that most people, most doctors, most scientists have never heard of, but that is what gets damaged by all these things we've been talking about that needs to be given time to repair. And if you didn't know it, soap is made out of fat. If you don't eat fat, your GI tract gets no cleansing molecules. The fat is absorbed into the lymphatics, not into the bloodstream that goes to the liver. The reason for that is because you've eaten the thing your body requires. It does not need to be modified in the liver. It goes to every nook and cranny of your body to provide the energy that your body requires in the form of fatty acids, quickly broken down into acetyl-CoA. Why would your body ever convert glucose to pyruvate in the cytoplasm, then have to make acetyl-CoA, and then take it into the mitochondria inner membrane and make ATP? It doesn't make any sense. Right. People are allergic to plants and seeds and nuts. That's where the toxins are because animals don't make toxins. Animals die of toxins from eating grass and grains and fruits and vegetables all day long. If you look at the internet, the, the, the United States Department of Agriculture's journal on plant poisoning, because they care about the animals dying of plant poisoning, but not the humans. And so it's fascinating. Uh, let's see. Bile comes from the breakdown of red blood cells in the liver, the yes. hemoglobin. So your body, see, I'm not even sure bile is used for detoxifying, and I don't even know how much it's required for fat mobilization or, or, or absorption. The chylomicrons, fat makes a chylomicron quite readily within the bowels, and the, and the bile may help it do that and then get into the lymphatics and then be distributed. I have heard of no toxins that are in fat personally, and I think it's fabricated information from people who want to drive a story that's anti-eating animals, which we respect everyone's choice of what they want to eat. But if you really want to understand the science of the human body, zero carbohydrates or plants are required in the human diet ever. No sugar is required in the human diet ever. What's required are fatty acids and amino acids. And the the minerals and vitamins that come from eating an animal-based diet will fill everything your body needs, not a plant-based diet. So if someone who eats only plants needs a supplement made by a human being, 
Well, that's not a normal human diet because you would not be without disease uh, if you ate only that. One thing I'll just add to the plant toxins is I know a lot of people say, well, we'll just eat like the organic variety. And I know that that has really nothing to do with the anti-nutrients, but I just want to make a case that we also are trying to produce a lot more crops and the crops we use, whether it's the GMO variety is just super toxic with the glyphosate proven to cause cancer, but even the organic varieties, and that's what we don't talk about, right? We say, well, the organic uh, plant foods are healthier, they're cleaner, but they're really not. I mean, some of them maybe, but there are some, and I talk about this in carnivore cure, but there are some organic herbicides, insecticides that are so powerful, they make the lab version and then they just say, fine, we won't call it organic because it's, and we'll make a cheaper version and we'll just, we'll sell it because it works so well. So the question is, besides all the anti-nutrients in plants, is it also like the chemicals we're using that then we're ingesting? And like, that's the part that we don't talk about and nothing will protect you from that. Whereas if you eat the animal, the animal's digestive process, even if they're eating toxic plants, will still save us in some you know, amount of barrier from the toxic. Well, well there, there have been known deaths from people drinking milk or an animal that consumed a toxic chemical, mm-hmm. but that's extremely rare. Right. The leading diseases we see are related to metabolic disorder, which is a high plant-based, sugar-based diet. We are not seeing people dying of, of pesticide overdoses. It's just not there. Okay. So it's probably there, but the majority of pesticides are made by the plant because the plant's only mechanism of preventing someone from eating them is to either kill them directly or disrupt their reproduction. Plants make that, and that's really what the key is. From all the decades that you've been kind of helping people and families just uh, procreate, like what would be your big tips? I know we've talked about diet a lot, about managing stress, um, you know, just managing other kind of areas in life. Well, my general recommendation is one meal a day. Okay. One snack. It's a simple thing to reduce the amount of exposure in your gut and your bloodstream to the sugars and the toxins that you may be consuming. The other is add the fat. Now, for vegans, it's a plant oil because actual fat's an animal and oil comes from a plant. But, you know, there's hemp seed oil, there's coconut oil, and there's, there, there's uh, olive oil. Um, oils in general are all industrial. So, but for the vegans, that's where you have to go. But cook the carbs well because it simplifies them, reduces the exposure to the, the, to the virus, bacteria, and the yeast, and it simplifies them so they could absorb better. Um, that's kind of the single things that I recommend. And for me, it's if you're an animal-based eater, eat the fatty, fatty parts and add the organ meats. That is really important in my, in my opinion. Would you still say do OMAD or one meal a day if someone just cannot consume a lot of calories in one meal? Well, fat contains twice the calories as a protein or a sugar. So believe me, since almost everyone eats a low-fat diet, there's very little people that wouldn't benefit from adding Kiltz's ice cream. So look at one meal, two at the most. But remember, the more you put food in your belly – 
at, 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 at separating the times, that means the more likely you're never going to have a low carbohydrate uh, uh, exposure of, of, of your bloodstream. So by getting your blood glucose low, now remember a lot of people have withdrawal because we're addicted to sugar. It takes two to four weeks to do this. It's a habit that you must do the work in order to make the change. So, um, I would say that if you can't, you know, just do the best you can right now as you're working to be whatever that perfect is. If you're feeling better in what you're doing, fantastic. A quick question about ovulation and just getting uh, menstruation. So there are some people that say if you menstruate, that doesn't necessarily mean you ovulate. Is that true? Is there any merit to that or does that even matter? There's only one way to know if you're ovulating and that's if you get pregnant. So you may have regular menstrual cycles, but you still may not be releasing the egg. The egg and the sperm may not get together. Uh, I mean, there's so many parts of this that are in the black box that we don't really understand. So if you're having regular cycles, but just not getting pregnant, I mean, that's where we come in or some fertility specialists can come in and help you identify these sort of things. But uh, this is where we use ovulation induction and, and trigger shots and ultrasounds and blood testing to help in this process. At what point when someone's been eating carnivore, keto, um, let's say their period's regular, at what point when they're still not getting pregnant, should they kind of, you know, go to a spe- like go to someone like you to kind of get tested? Like, is everything working? And then even well, try IBS. Six months to a year is sort of that number we use. But truly, if you're interested in getting pregnant, it's not a bad idea to see your OBGYN, your primary care, and talk about them. You might find something in your history like, you know, um, I had uh, – uh, testicular cancer as a kid and they, you know, radiated me or something. And uh, that might be something you don't wait. Or a woman who has very regular periods isn't going to wait the six months to a year, is going to talk to a specialist or or their primary care or OBGYN earlier. And there's so much online today. You literally, you don't even have to go to medical school to learn more than we knew. One last thing is if you were to pick between lifestyle, diet, uh, what would you say is kind of like the bigger thing that people should try to focus on when they're trying to get pregnant? Well, lifestyle encompasses both what you put in the mind and the mouth, in my opinion. And so you're in charge of the most valuable, expensive, and irreplaceable entity of the universe. Why wouldn't you take care of it like it is the very best? Be very discerning of what you listen to and what you watch and what you think and very discerning about what you put in your mouth. That's critical in my opinion. So find something that works and fits for you. But if what you're doing isn't working, look around and change it up because you're in charge. Sounds good. Where can people find you, your books, your clinic? Uh, let's see, drrobertkiltz.com, cnyfertility.com, cnyhealingarts.com. And if you look on Amazon or just Google Dr. Rob Kiltz, my books, the Keto uh, keto Cure is, is done. I have Keto Lifestyle now. The Fertile Feast and Living Your Best Life are just a few of the, the uh, titles that we have out there. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was more than insightful. Um, thank you. Judy, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And, and uh, your book is awesome. Uh, the Carnivore Cure, I recommend it to everyone. And we look forward to sharing more ideas in the future. Yes, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thank you, Judy. I hope that this interview helped you. I hope that this discussion really shows you that 
if you are having infertility issues with getting pregnant, that it's really no different than any other metabolic disease. Maybe there's an imbalance because of our diet and even just managing our stressors. If you are trying to get pregnant, I highly recommend his dietary recommendations as just, it's just a meat-based diet. It's reducing sugars and just getting back to healing in the way that we are naturally supposed to eat. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.